All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Modcast. I'm your host, Chris Perry, with your co-host, Tyler Bedson. Tyler, what kind of animal do you feel like today? Chris, today I feel like a kangaroo. Okay. Why is that? Well, first of all, because I'm very energetic and jumpy today, but also it reminds me of the story that I uh, I saw on Instagram, somebody wearing a hat that had a kangaroo on it. And I was like, wow, I really like that hat because I, you know, I like kangaroos. So mm-hmm. I fortunately have a super sleuth of a wife, Laura Bedson, and I sent her over the picture and, you know, Within like 15 seconds, she found the exact hat and ordered it. Hell yeah. And, you know, I, had, I had tried to find it. I, you know, typed in stuff like kangaroo hat <laughs> and it came up with, you know, not what I was looking for. So I found, you know, women have a very good knack for doing stuff like that. I just don't have that skill. Did you buy the hat? Yeah, Laura ended up ordering it for me. Actually, they came in like six different colors. Ooh, what color did you get? I forget. I think it was like a a gray and tan one. one nice. That'll yeah. go with my cat my cat hat beanie that I got. Yes. We can match. Yes. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, but, cool. Uh, what you like today? I feel like a rabbit, man, as I yawn. So hypocritically, I was gonna say I feel ooh, energetic and productive. As I really do, I just yawn all the time. Um, but I'm finally back on my bullshit this week. As listeners from last week heard, I was not on it for quite some time. Um, but now I am, and I feel a lot better. So mentally, I feel like I'm in a better position and all that good stuff. So I uh, wanted to quickly thank everybody who listened last week and also who have reached out to me and had uh, – very vulnerable conversations about being in very similar situations. Um, I think it is very much a reminder as to why I have chosen the route of vulnerability for so many years to try to help people feel like they're not alone in these struggles. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, like we said before, try to make everything into like a highlight reel and they Mm -hmm. only show positives and, you know, like how good they're doing instead of, showing the real stuff behind of what goes on behind the scenes, you know, which isn't always pretty, you know, I go through my struggles like, like you do. And, uh, I feel like a lot of podcasts are centered around being like, we're awesome. We're doing this hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is not the case. And I I think I've had clients struggle before because they think like, Oh, everybody else is doing good. Why aren't I? And it's like, no, Everybody's just not being honest. That's what it is, man. I think a lot of times we see it too. Like I even had somebody reach out to me in a similar position and they were comparing themselves to somebody they competed against weeks ago. And it's like, well, if you if you really pay close enough attention, the person that you're comparing yourself to has only been posting prep throwbacks this entire time. So who's to say what they actually look like? You know, this is a lot of social media is smoke and mirrors, right? It's like, we only want to post the best. And I get that. I, I mean, I totally relate, but at the same rate, it's like this, this podcast has allowed for a better platform for me to be a lot more open and honest about particular things. Because again, like I've gone through all these struggles and at times, and, and when I've gone through them, nobody 
had really spoken about them or brought them to light. So I was like, I thought I was alone in this. Yeah. And then once I finally like opened up and people started being like, Hey, me too. I'm like, Oh shit. So other yeah. people deal with this. Right. So that's why mm -hmm. I choose to kind of raise my hand and let people know on my own behalf. I have noticed a lot more people have started to post more of like off season progress and the real shit of like, Hey, like, you know, I'm not always a hundred percent like most people would think. And I think that's a good thing because in the past, like I've always thought like everybody's a hundred percent year round. And that's just not the case. Like I, I choose to live my life about, you know, 90% pretty much year round. I go to a hundred percent for certain events. Like, you know, if I'm cutting for a vacation or I'm in a prep, of course I'm a hundred percent, but I feel like a lot of people need to find that good balance between life and the contest prep life, which are two very, very separate things. And it's hard to find that transition point, right? Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I'm going to be one of those people who's going to actually start posting my off season check-ins as it is operation back on my bullshit and i feel as if it's something that i need to do to keep myself accountable so yep. we'll see this week how that goes hopefully it's uh not too bad um but no it's it's again and it, it's even more difficult because we have as the sport continues to grow we have so many first-time competitors that don't have any earthly idea and this listen this is my fourth rodeo competing and i still don't really know like how to go about it post-show. You know what I mean? And like I know how hard it was after my first show. So I don't know. But anyways, now that we've we've already, you know, beaten that dead horse last week, um, what are we talking about this week, Ty Ty? Today we're going to talk about cheat meals and free meals and kind of how to go about them based on what kind of progress you're trying to achieve, which – I, I've noticed over the years that free meals and cheat meals can be a killer to your progress or they can support your progress and your mental health. Um, mm -hmm. I have found I have to switch around my free meals based on what I'm trying to achieve at this point. Mm -hmm. It used to be in the past. Like I remember, you know, being 18 years old and just getting into the gym. I could eat an entire buffalo chicken pizza from Papa John's, a, you know, whole entire tray of brownies and um, some breadsticks, and I could only gain a pound. Mm -hmm. Well, now that I'm 30 years old, if I try to do that, I will probably gain six pounds and I will hold it all week and it will be fat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and, and I, I can say for me, I'll take full accountability free meals have kicked me in the dick more times than I can count. And I'm still trying to learn right yeah. where I also have the stomach capacity to potentially be a competitive eater when a free meal comes around. And I tend to just go overboard, right? I feel like a lot of us, we all glorify it to a certain degree, right? We get super excited for this one meal and you're like all week thinking about what you're going to eat and yada, yada, yada. And then becomes this big, extravagant thing that it doesn't have to necessarily be. So I think it is important. I think you brought up a good point of what the free meal should look like depending on your goal, right? Yep. Where we're going to kind of talk about these two things of if you were dieting as a lot of our clients tend to be coming to us for us to lose body fat, 
We're going to discuss what that approach might look like versus if you're trying to grow or you have a difficult time growing like Tyler has in the past, how those free meals might look in comparison. So, so I think the big, go ahead. So for me, I remember like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about how I kind of can do it now to control and make sure that I'm seeing progress. Um, I make strict, um, rules on what my clients are able to have for free meals as suggestions to make sure that we can make sure we see progress. What mm-hmm. I found is if you are too loose on stuff like free meals and cheat meals, you'll have people overindulge and it's really easy to add up those calories because people get this mindset where it's like, oh, I get this one free meal a week. I need to make sure I have everything I possibly wanted and I've been craving. So like, you know, prepare themselves and they'll basically binge eat for two or three hours. And you got to remember, you're going to be able to have times in your life where you're going to be able to have the food you want. Mm -hmm. So what I've seen people do is, you know, they'll go have their meal, which their meal could be something as simple as like a steak and a potato but then they'll eat like an entire uh, Ben and Jerry's pint of ice cream or even two of them and then some cookies. And then by the time you know it, they've had 7,000 calories in one sitting. And that's enough calories for maybe three to four days of eating. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, let's think about like basic math here. If, if, if I've got somebody in a caloric deficit between cardio steps and actual food of, let's say, I don't know, they're wanting to lose a pound a week, roughly. So we've got about a 4,000 calorie deficit we're trying to create, 3,500 to 4,000 over the span of the week. And then you go for your free meal and you go to Buffalo Wild Wings and you eat 20 wings and you have a couple beers and you have some fries, you just counteracted an entire week's worth of work because that is 4,000 calories of food. It is very easy to do if you aren't aware of what you're doing. So like you said, I set parameters, right? One of the biggest ones is you've got to eat protein in your meal. You can't just go to Olive Garden and get fettuccine Alfredo. There's got to be a protein source involved. And the other rule that I've started doing is your free meal isn't your last meal of the day. It's your second to last because if you eat so much in your second to last meal, that at the end of the night, you can't eat your last meal. You have eaten too much, in my opinion. You've eaten way too much. And then I go down like food sourcing wise, what they can stick to. A lot of people like to do sushi. Obviously, we avoid fried rolls and like mayo and that kind of stuff. I tend to choose sushi for myself um, because it is a lot of volume. And so I can't overeat it if I wanted to. I, I just can't put down enough of it. Um to really kind of counteract a deficit that I've created throughout the week. But then on the flip end, if we're looking at someone who's growing, I'm going to probably push like burgers and fries or pints of ice cream or, you know, whatever it may be more calorically dense choices. If that becomes a problem, right? Where it's like, we're not gaining weight and I've already capped out their food on a day-to-day basis. We're going to be pushing some, maybe not so great stuff for the sake of trying to grow. But those are like select cases. Yeah, my thing is like um, in the terms of when I'm trying to grow, whenever I have a free meal, it's almost like I want to take a break from eating. Like, because I'm eating so yeah. much throughout the week that I'm like, oh man, I don't want to put any extra calories down. There's been times, you know, where I get to my free meal and, you know, 
I'm out with friends. Everybody's excited to eat. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to eat something. I've you been know, there. Like, I've seen it. Yeah. Like we said, like, you know, I'll, I'll try to find things that I know that my body responds well to, and then I can eat. And oftentimes, you know, that's, that is something like a burger and fries or, you know, a milkshake <laughs> with it. Something that's easy to put down that I, I actually enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for me, like my top three meal choices whenever I'm really trying to push size and grow for free meals are uh, burger and fries from like five guys and a milkshake mm -hmm. or Chick-fil-A. Like I'll yep. do like, you know, uh, a Chick-fil-A grilled, uh, not grilled, but fried chicken sandwich. The fried one's fine. Uh, I'll do like 12 piece uh, nuggets and then I'll do like a large fries and a cookie. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, my other go-to is Taco Bell, which I often do, Hell you know, yeah. like two chicken quesadillas, uh, three or four tacos, and like some chips and cheese. And uh, we might order some Cold Stone as ice cream. But that, mm -hmm. that's what I try to make sure I'm getting enough calories when I'm trying to grow, right? Mm -hmm. And that's often by me finding stuff that I enjoy instead yeah. of, you know, stuff that I know is not going to rightly digest well. Like I don't want to do a giant steak sometimes whenever I'm, you know, pushing size. Cause I know that's going to be a lot of food for me to eat when mm -hmm. I get more calories from doing something like a burger and fries. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing too, is when you're in the position where you're putting down as much food as you or I have to in a growing phase, you have to look to hyper palatable foods, AKA mm -hmm. like shit that tastes good. Right. And that's halfway decent as far as food sourcing and food quality goes. Like if we're looking at a, a grade scale, like I'd say anything C minus and above is what we're aiming for. Right. Like five guys is actually very well sourced. I found out actually none of their stuff is frozen. It's brought in the day of, which is part of why it is so expensive. And that's yeah. why I like five guys. Right. Um, or Chick-fil-A is another great option that I'll use in a growing phase. Um, but as far as like kind of how it's sort of changed over the recent weeks and months as my relationship with food has continued to improve is a lot of times I'm just finding something different that I'm not eating on a day-to-day -day basis. Like we did a free meal on Friday. We went to a restaurant near us and like we got salmon, like grilled salmon, which is like nothing extravagant, but it was like what sounded good, that good at the time ate that. And then went and got a pint of like dairy-free ice cream and shared it. And that was it, right? Where it's like nothing over the top. Where in the past, I mean, you know, like I would do like go to sushi and eat a hundred bucks worth of sushi. And then I'd go to Target and I'd get snacks after and I'd eat those and like whatever I could find where it was like, let me set an hour window and just go to town. And it's yeah. like, I've opted more for, hey, I want to eat this meal and not feel like a feel like shit the next day you yeah. know like i'm not doing a ton of sugar anymore necessarily because i don't crave it as much as i used to like and no everybody asks like how many cosmic brownies do you eat during a free meal i'm like dude i, I haven't eaten a cosmic brownie since like kyle's bachelor party actually so that was like july fourth of july weekend i think because i feel horrible after i eat numerous of them because i can't just eat one i'll eat like seven um but that's how I approach it. And then if I'm going for like more of a growing phase, it's usually I might cook something at home because I love to cook. Chick-fil-A five guys. Those are like the three go to if I'm trying to just get food in. But I, I still avoid dairy because it slows my digestion down so much. It just kind of counteracts what I'm trying to do. 
one thing I'm big on, and I make sure to do this when I do any of my free meals, is I make sure I take a clinical labs glucose disposal agent and digestion aid. I'll take yes. a little caffeine each with my free meal, especially if I'm doing dairy, because I like dairy, man. I honestly yeah, enjoy for sure. quite a bit. Like Cold Stone's one of my favorite places to get for sure. dessert. But I've noticed if I eat a lot of dairy, I am messed up the entire next day. Mm-hmm. So if I take a glucose disposal agent and the digestion aid combined with my free meal, I've always noticed I'm completely fine the next day. It's like my body uses it better. And then like my training the next day is also always better because I feel like I'm actually utilizing that food for performance. Yeah, I think I use, so this is in, in my opinion, and if you disagree with me, let me know if you want to set up to one, actually utilize a free meal in the most effective way, but also feel the best the next day from it. So I do, like you said, I do clinical labs, glucose disposal, digestive aid. I do a serving of each before my free meal. I eat my free meal. And then I go on like a 15 to 20 minute walk afterwards to get everything moving before I go to bed. I do a shake, I do a scoop of greens powder, and then I do like a tablespoon of soluble fiber. And that keeps me regular. So the next morning I get up, I'm not bloated, I take a shit, I'm good to go, ready to rock. And I'll usually train a little bit earlier in the day after a free meal. Usually like after my first meal or potentially after my second, depending on how much water I get in during that time frame. Yeah, that's an excellent idea. I think, uh, like, like you said, I think that that walk afterward is great. I used to purposely go eat at like restaurants downtown whenever we were on trips that were like, mm-hmm. you know, a walking distance from the hotel or place we're staying at, but like not so far in a way that we couldn't walk home or anything, but it was always mm-hmm. nice to like, after you get done with that big meal to walk back. And I always felt so much better just taking that walk or like exploring the city afterwards. So I think that that what you said is key. And a lot of people forget that, you know, they'll eat these gigantic meals and then they'll just be sedentary the rest of the night, which for, for some of you trying to like really gain weight, that's okay. But I think it's awesome to be able to utilize that food and really get your body moving. So you're not just sitting on it all night. Yeah. Cause that's the biggest thing, man, is like, if you like the digestive aid and the GDA are going to help a ton regardless, but you're, you're introducing some foreign food sources that your body's not accustomed to on a daily basis and then sitting still. That's only going to allow for that food to ferment, which is what causes gas and bloating and all the other digestive issues that come with it. So it's like it takes no amount of effort. Like what what Barbie and I usually do is we'll go get sushi, potentially froyo because it's another thing we, we do sometimes because it's like no joke right beside each other. And then we walk across the parking lot and we walk to Target. We walk around Target for like 10 minutes and then go home. And it's super that's, simple. That's like kind of like right now, like I'm in a whole different situation. You know, like I'm currently cutting because we finally planned our vacation, which, mm-hmm. you know, we do. Luckily, we're getting one vacation really a year where we take a break for a week. But I like to look good for my vacation. Like I like mm-hmm. to be leaner. I don't like to like, I don't need to be in like contest shape where I'm like one week out, but I like to get like a six weeks out look, mm-hmm. which requires me to be a lot more dedicated. But because of that, when I'm doing my free meals, I have to make a lot better choices. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not overindulging on a lot of these. And sometimes man, like, like we said, like I'll do something like sushi or I'll go out and I'll have like a, uh, a poke bowl mm-hmm. or a steak and sweet potato fries 
something of that sort. And I often opt for no dessert whenever I'm actually uh, trying to cut as hard as I am, because I feel like that's what kind of hinders the progress, uh, causes a lot of cravings. So I'm big, actually, when I'm having people cut, where I will be like, no alcohol, no dessert, but I'll let them have like a meal, like protein and some kind of like healthy carb. I found mm -hmm. that's best way to go about it whenever you're actually trying to see major progress or if you have to do alcohol you know i might do like shots of tequila or i might do like a vodka soda with uh with lime something mm -hmm. that's a lot lighter but i found that the dessert is where a lot of people are really going off the deep end like you know you don't need to do three or four cookies you know yeah you can, yeah that, that, that's where the calories start stacking up yeah, I've seen people do like four crumble cookies, and I'm like, dude, that's like nearly yeah. two thousand calories, depending on the week's menu. I don't even know how people eat that many, and that's crazy to me. I mean, I, I'm sure you you might be able to put them down, but I cannot. Those things are rich. Hot take: I don't think they're that good. Really? Are they good? I they are good, but I don't think that they are the mecca as some people think. I am a fan of carbivore cookies. Shout out Wilson. Um, sure. or, to try one dude they are good uh that our newest ifbb pro um but no those are those are those are pdx cookies are like my preference if i'm going that route like crumble cookies are good don't get me wrong i just don't necessarily understand the hype behind them the, fl the flavors are kind of weird to me i don't know about you but i like a traditional cookie yeah. like i i could go for like an m&m cookie or like a chocolate chip cookie or like you know double chocolate chip but they start doing like some weird ones like i don't like cookies with cereal on them i think that's weird yeah um, i'm a i'm like, an oatmeal raisin guy see those are good like i, I think I a traditional cookie always good but like crumble gets into some flavors and then they they also will come out with like a good flavor like i remember they had this one and it was literally just like a chocolate based cookie with like chocolate icing on it and mm -hmm. i remember i was eating so much food during a growth phase one time and i had one of those and i still enjoyed it and <laughs> since then, I think it's been like a year and a half. I don't think I've seen it on their menu since. And That's I've been like, you bring this damn cookie back. It's like, that was actually good. You guys have done like a Lucky Charms cookie, but you can't do this like chocolate one. Like so Super I simple. Well, it's, it's like two th couple points there, as this is apparently what I'm really passionate about. But um, <laughs> dude, like the chocolate chip one that they always have on the menu, to me, just tastes like Crisco. Like it just tastes yeah, like... like it just tastes like Crisco to me. My mom makes better. Like, I mean, my mom makes the best chocolate chip cookies ever, but like they just don't compare. But like I've had like they had a one. It was I forget when it was, but they had it was like cornbread and it was honestly incredible. I'll give them that. But I went in there one time uh, under the influence of THC and I was just genuinely curious when I was standing at the checkout of like how much these cookies weigh and they yelled at me. Like we can't share that information. I was like, I am so sorry that I just wanted to. Know. I was like, I can get a food scale out of my car and weigh these. I just wanted to know for conversation's sake. So I don't know. Like I just, they're good, but I don't think like I see people every week. They're like weekly free meal, and it's like four crumble cookies. I'm like, bro, I'd rather eat m any m most other things. Truthfully, it's like the really good cookie that I mentioned earlier. Chick fil A has a Dude. very good cookie. Oh brother, have you had their brownies? Uh, yeah, they they I mean those are good too. Like yeah. Chick-fil-A has some very good desserts and they're very they simple. 
have you seen the the new milkshake that came out the autumn one what is it flavored let me let me pull it up really fast i follow a snack page on instagram that talks about it um you know what i, I love don't like i don't huh? like pumpkin flavored things really i love pumpkin flavored things I, I know that's very popular but you know i'm just such a fan i yeah. love them my mom used to make pumpkin blondies for me all the time. I'd eat the whole whole tray of them at once because I don't understand portion control. Um, if we haven't learned that about me already, let's <laughs> see. So, autumn spice milkshake. It is uh, flavors like cinnamon with crunchy bits of brown sugar cookies made with their ice cream and hand spun. Yeah, that sounds super good. That sounds good. I could eat that. But yeah, we're just. Let's see what Crumble's menu is this week, actually. We've got Aggie. It's got Aggie Blue Mint, which apparently is like a mint-flavored cookie that has chocolate chips, um, pumpkin roll, uh, caramel apple, and then Nutter Butter. Nutter Butter sounds all right. I mean, they sound good, but... It's still just kind of weird. I would still rather, like, you know, get, like, a Chick-fil-A cookie. Like I'm not I'm not gonna beat the damn door down to get these things is what I'm getting at. You know, I'm not like sometimes that's always yeah, that's always that's just not for and but anyways, teach their own. I wouldn't advise going and just getting four crumble cookies as a free meal, as I think it's very counterintuitive. Have one or like if I'm gonna do a dessert and I'm gonna cut, or if I'm gonna do a dessert really at all, like if I'm gonna cold stone, I'm gonna do the like it size. Like I'm gonna get the small size. If I'm gonna get a cookie, I'm gonna get one cookie. Um, yeah. That that's the key. I feel like with getting results and not regressing is portion control. That, that's the key. Is it with any free meal? You do not have to order the biggest size of everything. You do not have to finish your meal. I know that goes against what some people were raised like. I was raised to finish every bit of food on my plate. But when it comes to American food portions, especially, it's kind of ridiculous. We're not supposed to eat this amount of food. They're, they're giving you portions for a family of four. And then, you know, a cookie here is like the size of a pizza. And we don't need that. You don't yeah, need I- to- I struggle a lot with, as we've talked about with portion control, it's been only recently that I've been able to uh, stop eating what I'm actually content. And truthfully, no bullshit. It still makes me kind of uncomfortable if I don't finish food, but it's like, I have to actively talk to myself in my head of like, okay, Chris, you're satisfied. Don't eat that. Put it up, you know? And it's taken me, I mean, shit, a decade of trying to build a relationship with food to understand that. But it's like, I think people, again, it's what we we're kind of reiterating is like, this isn't an eating competition yep. where like I've done it before, man. I remember my first prep and granted, this is what my coach told me to eat. My refeed every Thursday was, and I was a hundred and I stepped on stage at 189 pounds for the show. My refeed was up until six weeks out was two Chick-fil-A sandwiches, three large orders of fries and two cookies and a regular lemonade. And dude, I would eat myself fucking sick to get that down. But in my head, I'm like, this is the only this is the only energy source that I have for the week because we were do ultra low carbs for the rest of the week. So I was like, it was like this famine mentality of like, this is all I've got, right? And yeah. it's like you don't have that. And here's the other thing too, guys. I think people fail to realize if you can control a free meal and do it, 
and a responsible manner, you might end up actually making the progress where you get to have numerous free meals a week, right? Where it's like, we might need one or two a week or more than that, potentially, depending on the situation. Um, so that's the, where I think people fail to realize, like, if you do this right, you can get more of what you want. You just have to do it the right way. Um, Tyler, welcome back. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, you froze for a second. Your screen says recording will continue when your internet improves. <laughs> yeah, you need to pay your Cricket wireless bill, bro. It says that for you, not me. It says dude, I'm, I'm, when their internet improves. It's talking I'm cooling, dude. I'm cooling, dude. Mine ha I have no issues on my end. No issues. Yeah. I don't know why I'm it, it looks like you're recorded with a baked potato right now. So yeah. now we're good now. We're back in it. But what I was saying is if you do this the right way, you might actually put yourself in a position where you can have more free meals throughout the week as needed. I've got people who are doing like two or three a week right now because they do them in the most responsible manner where I've got some people who only get one a week because they tell me what they eat. And I'm like, good God, man, like let's not eat a whole cheesecake this week. Let's do something a little bit different. That's the thing, man. But it's, it's like I will control people's and I'll tell them like exactly what to get for maybe two of them. And then, you know, the other one I let them choose, but I found like, I can give people more free meals, the more controlled they are with them and the more calculated, but the issue yes. becomes whenever we have too much freedom and the too much freedom is what causes people to get fat, like, uh, or have digestion issues. Like I'm very strict on saying like, don't order sugary alcohol drinks that has no benefit to you to order sugary alcohol drinks. It's not going to give you any positive benefits at all. But I'll have people every week and it's like, I decided to drink, you know, this sugary margarita. And now I feel like shit. And I'm like, well, rule number one that Tyler says whenever you drink alcohol is don't do the sugary alcohol drinks. And it's always an issue. I think where, where I tend to get frustrated is when somebody says, hey, my digestion's really messed up and I can't figure out why. It's like, well, you should be able to figure out why if you're being calculated and controlled with your eating and following the plan. I can tell you, I eat the same food every day, roughly, uh, within a realm of things, of options. If I eat something and my stomach gets fucked up, I can tell you very quickly what caused it because it's the one thing that I haven't been eating. Super yep. simple. So it's just like a level of self-awareness with it too. It's like, oh, I don't know why I'm not seeing progress. Well, it's because you ate 30 wings from Buffalo Wild Wings. Did you think to look up the nutrition facts to see how yeah. many calories you just inhaled? Could be Plus, it. Yeah, it, it can be the type of oil they cook in, the grease, if you're adding something different. That's why I, I like to be extremely consistent with everything up into the free meal, even like in prep. Like I, I have a lot of people I still allow to do free meals in prep. Uh, mm -hmm. Some who I'm able to have it do it even upwards towards the day before show throughout, mm -hmm. but it's calculated. Like I have so many and, you know, burger and fry or sushi or, you know, sometime it could be as something as simple as a blueberry muffin. I add, you know, every three days or so, but I'm able to do these things. I'm able to prep people like this because of the consistency and we know how their body responds to it. Like when I say yeah. go get a burger and fries. It's to the point where I'm like, hey, I want you to get a double cheeseburger from Five Guys with only ketchup and pickles. 
and I want you to do 300 grams of their fries. Yeah. And it's the same thing every week. We aren't going to try the new new local burger spot that has goat cheese and bacon on it and, you know, bacon jelly. We are doing the exact same thing. It's whenever you start adding in the extra variables where the stomach starts experiencing issues. That burger did sound good that you described, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but no, it's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like we look at like uh, Xavier, my classic physique guy who just competed, you know, we were very consistent through most of off season and prep of him doing Chick-fil-A has always been the one free meal that he one enjoys, but to digest well. So all of peak week, whenever I thought he needed more food, Hey, let's go get a Chick-fil-A sandwich, no butter, extra pickles, medium order of fries. And that's what we used all week long. And guess what? It worked and it worked and it worked because he did his due diligence. You know, this guy was checking in with me almost every day for the last three weeks of prep and could tell me everything I needed to know. So then I was able to calculate what needed to happen, you know, in conjunction with that. So I think it's where it comes down to guys is like trying to be a little bit more conscious, like obviously, obviously like eat what you want to within reason, like the goal is to enjoy yourself. But understanding where that line needs to be drawn of, okay, have I eaten to the point where I'm satisfied or am I just binging currently? Yeah, am, I just, am I just eating to eat? That's am I just thing. eating to eat? Yeah. And it, it's that happens sometimes, you know, especially the hungrier you get down into like a deficit. Sometimes if you don't have that control, you sacrifice that deficit. Like you're like, oh, I'm in a further deficit, so I need to eat more. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. Like, you know, as I get leaner for this cut for our, our trip to California, I know I'm going to get hungrier for these free meals. Well, I could either keep it consistent and change keep the variables, you know, the same, or, you know, I can go ahead and add more food, which would, you know, negate that deficit that I'm in. And then I can, mm-hmm. you know, I won't get as fast results. We have issues on why am I not changing as fast? Well, Majority of the time, it's because I'm somebody's going to be adding too much extra food. Your your brain will play tricks on you, and as someone who deals with it, your brain will play tricks on you. So, like mm-hmm. one thing that I'll do is like I go to the same sushi spot every single week, just about. And as I get deeper into a deficit and get leaner, I will start basically pre gaming with extra salad and soup. So I'll just order like two soups and a salad to try to like literally get satiated to a degree before I start ordering sushi. Cause if I go in, dude, I mean, it's like if you go to the grocery store hungry, you're going to spend $300 more than you anticipate. So that's what I do. I'll go in. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to get two salads and a soup or two soups and a salad, whatever it may be, eat that order. And it's my order is going to be very similar to the week prior as I get hungrier. That's just one way that I found that like I've had, I have to negotiate with myself because I know how I operate. Otherwise I'd go ape shit and order 10 more things that I don't usually do. And then I feel obligated to eat it because I just spent 200 bucks on sushi yeah. and it just causes a hell storm. I've noticed like the, the hungrier I get, my eyes become bigger than my stomach. Um, so I will often order a lot more food than I need. And then I continue to sit there and try to eat it even when I know I shouldn't. See, so, my... My eyes get bigger than my stomach, but my pride doesn't. So I will finish it is usually my issue. Yeah. And that, that's where the problem lies. Only I overeat, but I know of some people where it's like they will not stop eating. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the problem, man. So, you know, that, that's what we want to kind of construe with this. It's like 
free meals can be done in a way where you can see positive progress, positive benefits for mental health and mm -hmm. positive results. But they can also hinder your results, cause digestion issues and, you know, make you regress. So you have to really go about these in a certain way. And it's just being smart and educated about them. And if you have a coach, feel free to ask, like, is this yeah. okay? Um, what, what, what would you think my free meal should be? That's completely acceptable questions to ask. I've had people say, Hey, I'm going to this place, send me the menu. And they're like, what should I order that would keep me getting the best progress? Well, my job as a coach is to teach you the best way to do it because I've done it before. So, you know, those are completely acceptable questions. Yeah, no, I think, um, it, it, it's one of those things like, I always tell people you have me at your disposal when you have questions, right? And it's ultimately like that is your job as the athlete, as the client to utilize that to the best of your advantage. So I have people who send me pictures of the menu. Hey, what do you think I should get? And I'll give them like two or three options. I'm like, pick what you'd like from these two or three options. So at least they're still getting something they feel like they want to eat. Yeah. Um, so I'm not necessarily going to take it to the point of restriction where they're like, I'm like, you have to eat this. It's like, hey, here's the pretty large parameter of guidelines I give you pick something within there and you'll be successful. Or if you don't understand that you won't be as successful, that's the biggest thing I tell people is like, as long as you are conscious, like if you are aware of the consequences of your actions, go fucking for it. That's not my fault, but I'm going to give you all the tools to try to educate you up front where you don't make that decision. Exactly. So don't glorify a free meals guys. They're cool. They're not that cool. Like just, it's not that big of a deal. Hmm. Um, so, so moving forward, the other topic of today brought to you by, uh, Miss Katie, she wanted us to discuss coaching like in person, remote, locally, super far away, kind of yeah. the, the pros and cons of each of those things. So what okay. are your thoughts? Funny story. And, you know, cause I've been through all of these, like, I remember, I, my first coach I ever had when I first started my first bodybuilding prep was a guy that went to my, my local gym that I trained at, but now my coach, you know, 10 years down the road lives in Texas and I live in Lexington, Kentucky. So I've been through both of these. I will say my first coach I picked because it was the shortest, biggest guy at the gym and I wanted to look like him. And that was simply how I picked my coach because I was like, that guy looks like a cloud. He's big and <laughs> he looks like he knows what he's doing, which was, was to a point the case, you know, he was very experienced. He was a national level bodybuilder. Um, and I thought it was nice for my first prep to have somebody local telling me what to do and, you know, to kind of see me in person but the more I've done this, the more I've realized how unnecessary that was and how I didn't need that aspect. Um, I will say it is beneficial if you're really, really inexperienced with show prep training and all that for maybe your first year to have somebody local help you. I do think mm -hmm. that's a thing. But I would say as you get more experienced, the less necessary it becomes to have somebody local and the more necessary it comes to have somebody that is a good coach that you click well with. Yeah. So kind of a similar experience with me. I've only had two coaches. I've had one in 2019 and then I've worked with you. Um, my first coach 
kind of chose me actually. It was one of my buddies. He's a national level competitor, kind of like more or less one of the more well-known local coaches in my hometown. Um, and he wanted me to compete really bad. And he was like, I'm going to do this for you. But he kind of allowed me to help in the process of coaching as far as handling. I handled my training and my posing and we kind of collaborated on everything else. It was actually really beneficial for me at that point because I was very much a head case as I always have been and I didn't really know what to expect. And he was, we lived in the same apartment complex. We were like five doors apart from each other. So if our schedules lined up, sometimes I would check in in person. We would train two or three times a week together because we were training partners for the most part. I would see him at the supplement store that he managed. Like, so it was really good for me because it helped relieve a lot of anxiety and like what ifs, you know, because I just didn't know the process of prepping at that point. Um, but now I work with you and we're what, three and a half hours apart, three hours apart, some shit like that, which still isn't a bad thing. Like I still go and visit you usually every couple months. And during prep, I visit a little bit more frequently or you've come down here too. Yeah. Um, but it's like it, but it still works. Like we're still within arm's reach yeah. and we can still see each other because we've learned like I sometimes in-person check-ins are very beneficial for me because of how pale that I am. So you can't always see everything. Um, but it's like, I, I would say for your first show, if there is a local coach that you trust, I would say lean more towards that. I would also say like ask for referrals or references of those, that person. Um, if they won't give it to you, that's not the right coach for you. I can tell you that much. Um, but I think it's a little bit more beneficial to be at least within like an hour or two of your coach. Cause I know you got, you and Laura have plenty of people who come check in with you in person in the garage or train with you guys sometimes. Like, and I think that's necessary for a first time competitor, but as you get more seasoned, I don't think it is a necessity, nor should you kind of use that as a crutch for show after show after show. Right. As you become more experienced, I think it becomes less necessary to have somebody holding your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and more of a priority to have somebody that you can trust that has the experience that you actually can click with and vibe with and communicate with. And I think yeah. that's key. You know, I have clients from all over the US, we even have some outside the country that I've never met. And mm-hmm. they win shows and they don't require me to hold their hand. They know that I am going to respond to them on their show day and they're going to win their show. They do not need to see me in person. Mm-hmm. But I also have clients all the way out in Nevada and California who have flew out to Lexington, Kentucky to visit me and train with me for one time. And they get enough value from that where it sets them up and we know each other well enough where we communicate and we vibe. But like you said, I do think there are some people who are so inexperienced when they start that having that ability to see their coach in person, even if it's for just their first prep or for their first year is very useful because it helps instill that confidence level in them. As far as, you know, with getting to know somebody, um, learning to pose, learning to train correctly, which, which are things we need to learn, but it's also stuff that you can learn very, very fast. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I have clients in uh, Florida and Georgia. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're close enough where they could come visit me if they need to. But 
I don't need to see them in person because I know they can send me training videos. Mm -hmm. I know that they can send me their posing videos and they know that they're going to get a response from me and I'm going to give them the feedback they need and they likely are going to win. But I also have people that are in Lexington, Kentucky, and they go to these local gyms and they train with me and they need that little extra bit of uh, touch as from a coach, which I'm able to give for some of those people, which I which I value doing. So I feel like it's it's person dependent, you know. Absolutely. I think, and there's a lot of points, like even like we talked about with like show day, for example, like I, if you're a first time competitor, especially with me, I will be at your show. If obviously depending on travel and stuff like that, but I'm always there and always get, go backstage. So like Xavier is an example. Xavier did a show last year. He did national night of champions for his first ever show. And I was there and he did super well. And then this past weekend he competed in Dalton, Ohio or Dalton, Georgia, excuse me. And I wasn't able to make it and he knew how to, you know, we, I walked through the peaking process. I was on the phone with him every day, talking to him every hour, every 30 minutes, truthfully. And he did fine. He placed top five. He got second and third in like very respectable classes because he was like, I'm, I'm good, man. I don't need you there this time. Right. Yeah. So always my rule is like, I'll always go to the first after that. It's kind of your, you know, if you want me to, I will do my best to be there depending on my situation and my schedule. Cause obviously my travel schedule is ridiculous. Um, but within that, it's just, like you said, it's case to case. And this is where coaching becomes tailored to the individual, right? Yeah. I've got people, I've got a girl right now in Australia. Obviously I can't see her, but she sends me training footage and she's successful. Yeah. Whereas I've got people who live in Nashville that I train with either on a weekly or biweekly basis. Cause that's what they want from me and require for me. And that's what I need from them as well to make sure everything's going the way it needs to go. So it's just, and then I've got, I've had people come from as far as, you know, Indiana or Auburn university have driven up to just to train with me for a weekend just to learn as much as they can. So it's like, I, I always say like, I'm willing to match the effort given. If you want to fly, drive, whatever to come see me, I will make it a weekend seminar for you. If that's what you want from me. Um, that being said, I can't, I've got too many people spread out through the United States and also throughout the world at this point where I can't do that for everybody, right? I can't just set up a tour of the United States to like go meet all my people, but I'm more than willing to help them if they want to make the effort to come see me. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I like to be at the shows if I can, mm-hmm. but I yeah. can't be at every show. There's some t- there's yeah. some weekends where I have three people competing in three different states, and I'll have one in New York, one in Pennsylvania, and one in Florida. And I can't mm-hmm. be in all three places at once. So, you know, I honestly prefer to coach over the phone mm-hmm. for most shows because I feel like it's less stressful on the coaching client. I can easily make the calls I need to call, make. And then, you know, they go do it, they execute. And I, you know, nine times out of 10, they win. Yeah. Um, there are certain occasions where like somebody wants me to be there. And what I require as a coach is just a place to stay. And mm-hmm. depending on the travel to cover the travel costs. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of how I have to do it now. I used to travel to all the shows as I could because, you know, I was trying to be as available as possible, but it was kicking my ass, dude. I'm, it was just a lot. And I don't think a lot of people realize like if you're paying a coach monthly and then they're spending every bit of money they make to come out to your show, they're not really, it's, it's kind of in a way like 
we're losing money off that client and it, it's hard on the coach. And, and some people just don't get that. I've had no. people like, oh, you're not going to come to my show. And I'm like, well, it's going to cost me, you know, $2,000 to fly out to California and I got to stay there for four days. And, you know, this becomes like a $2,500 trip. <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, dude, we did a show last year. I did a show in Savannah. You couldn't be there. I didn't yeah. care. I won the show. No problem. Right. We yeah. just, I just checked in with you like every hour, but it's like the same thing, dude. I've, I've, and I've made that mistake, right? I won't say mistake. I, let me take that back. I didn't feel comfortable asking for my athletes to pay additional costs. Right. So if I have someone paying me for a show prep, let's say they're paying me 300 bucks a month. Okay. If I have to drive down to, let's say Chattanooga, for example, and get a hotel room and get my coaches pass and get my pass for the show, that's 900 bucks. Yeah. So I've just spent three months of what you've paid me to coach you to be there for the day when I can take care of everything you need over the phone as yep. I have. And I've proven that. So that's where it's like, I, I just have the issue of asking of that. And that's something that I'm trying to work more on of like being like, Hey man, if you want me backstage, you can pay for the coach's pass or we can split it, but I don't, I don't have to be backstage, but if you need me back there, then we'll have a separate yeah. conversation. That's, that's the thing, man. I've had, I've had clients when they're pro card where I am in a different state and I'm at a bachelor party and I'm still answering the phone and I've it had was, clients when they're pro card by me sleeping on their couch in their hotel room. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind to do either one, but I've realized like over time as a coach, I've had, equivalent success rates being there or not being there and it really doesn't matter if your coach is like there with you at all times or not it really depends on the communication level how much you guys vibe how much you click and how willing you are to just listen to the plan and execute yeah and it's like we also have to take into account too and not to sound necessarily selfish but you have a lot of other people that you have to answer to every day right including yourself because like let's say however many people have you have on your roster let's say you have 40 check-ins on friday and 40 on saturday well if you have to travel all day friday and you're there all day show for show day on saturday you got 80 people that you still have to answer to on top of show and then also you're not going to train those two days you're not going to probably be able to follow your meal plan as closely as you'd like to so now where are we at right and that's something i've run into where it's like i've had to, and again, it's a tough thing to figure out. And that's why I've stopped doing Saturday check-ins because it was like, if I'm, if, if it's someone's show day, they're all that I can focus on that day. Yeah. And then I have five, a handful of people who are upset with me because I'm not getting back to them until Sunday morning. Right. Exactly. That's why I switched all my, you know, when I first started coaching, <laughs> my updates were all on Saturdays mm -hmm. and over time. I switched it. So, you know, Saturdays are reserved for show days. Sunday mm -hmm. is reserved for me either to have a day off or to make reverse diets if I need to or new training. And then, you know, I only do check-ins Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Yep. And that's kind of how I've evolved my schedule over the years because of how many people I had competing on some weekends. Like, you know, I have weekends, two weekends coming up where I've got six competing on one week and then four the next and then three the next. And I got to make sure all those people are taken care of because, you know, they've put in work for months and months for one day. So, yep. of course, those people become more important for that one day. And I got to mm -hmm. make sure they are number one priority. 
I like every client to feel like they're my only client. That's always how I've been. I feel like I've mm-hmm. had great success because of that. But it, in reality, you know, if I do have somebody competing on a Saturday, that Saturday is designated for them that yep. time. Yeah. And that's why I only take, you know, five to 10 maximum competitors for a season at a time because I'm yeah. still in the position with my coaching where I'm not, I can, I've peaked three people at once and I've helped peak, help other coaches peak numerous athletes at once, but I just don't have the mental bandwidth to be able to go and do eight people at once in numerous different shows. So I yeah. choose, let's, I take five people usually a season and I'm going to give them the whole fucking world for their show prep. And that's all that I'm comfortable taking. And I'm okay with that right now. So I've only yeah. had, I only have two athletes competing right now. I had, just had Xavier compete this last weekend and it w- went really well. And then I've got a girl named McKenzie competing in three weeks. And then my season's basically closed out. Everybody else is kind of waiting until spring and summer to compete. So I'm mentally, I'm fortunate for that. Truthfully. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is like, I guess what I, my, my final view on this is when I first started as a competitor, I cared about having somebody local. I realized over time, that's not really the priority. Like, like I said, my coaches in Texas, they coach multiple Olympians. I know they have people that are better than me, but we vibe well, we click well, they communicate well with me. I do not have to see them in person. I am very much a do, do what's on the plan, get results kind of person. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you're really serious about competing, that becomes that priority. As long as you have a coach that has the experience level that you work well with and you can follow the plan and agree with them on the actual like uh, process, you're going to be successful. So don't feel like you have to choose your coach because like you're in Tennessee and they're in Tennessee. Um Often the best coach for you, like, for example, with me and Chris, like I'm in Kentucky, he's in Tennessee. That doesn't matter. We work very well together. I know we talk all that, you know, as you mature as a competitor, you realize more and more that you don't have to have your coach around you at all times. Yeah. And I can understand, like we said, in the beginning phases, right? You need a little bit more reassurance and everything else. But as you, as you develop in this, you don't need it, right? Like I don't need that necessarily from you anymore. I don't expect it from you. Right. So that's really, I mean, I think it's really it when it comes to our kind of stances on that kind of how to approach finding a coach. Don't feel like you have to pick the one that's at your gym just because they're at your gym, pick the one that's going to be best for you. Right. Um, Do you want to do a couple quick questions? Yeah, sure. All right. So I posted on our page, the real modcast, go follow it on Instagram, please. And thank you. Um, some questions. So we answered Miss Katie's. Um, we've got Jensen, a very large man asked, uh, the craziest body transformations that you've seen, whether it's celebrities for movie roles or, uh, more like traditional bodybuilding people. Um, I would say Bartley Weaver is, the craziest one that I continue to see yeah. on a weekly basis as I watch him get up to 280, still lean, and then start prepping for a show and then go w- place fourth at a competitive eating competition and then start prep again. Like it's no big deal. I'd say he's probably one of the better ones in the bodybuilding realm that I that I see very consistently just do insane things that I can't comprehend. He, he manages to do that. He does a lot of unorthodox stuff that I think a lot of people can't do. 
yeah. uh, and they try to emulate, but it's just like, uh, he, he's a, he's an outlier. I would say there's Most only people, one Bartley Weaver. There's only well, one of them. I would say if we're thinking about actors, one of the craziest actors that pulls off the craziest transformations, I had to make sure I'm correct about his name, Christian Bale, dude. Yeah. Have you seen his stuff? Like, you mean like he'll go from being like a, a superhero in a movie to a AIDS, a guy with AIDS. Like, it wasn't like the machinist. Was that the movie I'm thinking of? That's one because like, dude, you can just look at his stuff and it's like, he goes from being like 120 pounds to like 210. Yeah. I feel like Bradley Cooper's, I feel like Bradley Cooper is a pretty good example of that too, where he got pretty jacked for American sniper. Like he was pretty big. Um, you're right. Christian Bale lost 63 pounds for his, uh, role in the machinist. And then he gained 80 pounds for Batman begins for Bane. I feel like I remember his diet for the machinist was one packet of tuna and one apple a day. And that was it. Yeah. I don't know why I remember that. I don't know. Um, I'd say those are some like Bradley Christian. Okay. Yeah, I'd say Christian Bell's probably like the the craziest example of that um, in the in the celebrity realm. Um, let's see another question. Uh, Miss Jessica Walker asked, dealing with others saying you're getting too skinny or you're getting too big or too muscular, whatever the case, it's hard. Kind of hurts, even though it's not intended that way. It's called being healthy. So uh, a few points. What is deemed healthy now to general populace is um, obscure where you put you, especially as a female, if you get a little bit in shape or put on a little bit of muscle, you are seen differently in society because the societal standard for what body image is has regressed very much. I mean, you go anywhere and you see predominantly overweight, obese people. Right. You go to Walmart, 80% of the people are going to be obese. I would love to say I have the answer. I don't because I still get comments from my grandparents whenever I see them about being too muscular or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. You're doing this for you first and foremost. Fuck everybody else as hard as that is to practice as I preach it. Um, but if you're healthy and happy and you love the way you look, who cares what some ignorant people don't understand because they'll never be able to do it themselves. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, man, because I remember back in the day, like I was so excited to be more muscular. And this is back when I was, you know, five, four, I'm, I'm short guy, but I was like 150 pounds and people would always compliment me. And now when I get up towards 200, 210 pounds, I remember the other day I was asking Laura, I was like, you think I'm okay to wear this like cutoff out in public? And she was like, I'll put a shirt on. Yeah. And I'm like, and that's how I feel now. I don't want that attention. And it kind of makes me a little sad because it's like, you know, I feel like I worked pretty hard to be our mat today, but it's like the judgment you get for being muscular is kind of like in a negative light. Like mm-hmm. other people that go to the gym will be nice to you, but people out in public, it's like they'll make like steroid comments or uh, th- they'll find ways to degrade you for being healthy in reality whenever it's like it should be the opposite. Yeah. Um, Especially in the female world, man, I found that that's the craziest thing is like females, whenever they're in shape, like other women are just so like jealous of them. And yeah. it's like, oh, it must be nice, like stuff like that. And it's like, no, they just actually like work it and respect their body. And it's almost like they're looked down upon for caring about their body. Yeah. And it's like, 
I am in full control of how I look and I choose to make a point to look the way that I want to. So why is, why am I being, you know, damned for that in a sense? That's why I mean, it's part of why I wear oversized clothes, man. Like the bigger I've gotten, the less I want people to recognize it. Right. So it's like, yeah. I predominantly wear big hoodies and sweats every day because outside of the gym setting, I don't want nor need people to recognize that. I don't like being the center of attention. I never have. Okay. And I don't like the stigma that kind of comes with it. I accept it, but I don't want to be known as a big meathead because like, I'm not just that, like, you know what I mean? Like I'm fairly intelligent and it's just kind of comes with it because again, we're in a society where people don't want to see you do better than them. So if they're fat and miserable, they want you to be fat and miserable. If you're in shape and you're happy, they're going to try to find any way to break you down because they've already broken themselves down. They're not getting up. Yeah, so they want to people suck themselves or like I'm heavy because of this and that. And it's like, no, you're heavy because you don't take care of yourself. Like, or like the amount of times I've heard, Oh, if I did steroids, I'd look like you. No, you fucking wouldn't. No, you would not no. period. No, sorry. End of discussion. So that's that. Uh, people are lame. Um, let's see. JR asked, are pandas real? No. Next question. Mr. Thickums asked, will your Halloween costumes be influenced by the type of animal you predominantly feel like in the month of October? Hmm. Maybe, I honestly may be a frog for Halloween at this point. That Yeah, I, I'll look into some costumes. Well, we'll I see know Laura's costume is based on something Halloween uh, with her friends. And if I was a frog, it would probably fit with her costume. So I may just happen to be a frog. Ooh, let me think. I'm going to have to do some deducing, but I think I can figure out what her costume is. I won't say it, though, but I'll figure it out. I think you should be a frog. That sounds okay. cool. I will I will possibly become a frog. Well, sweet. Tyler might be a frog. I might be a chinchilla. We'll see in, in a few weeks, guys. Who knows? Um, but I think that's everything. You have any tidbits yeah. of wisdom before we close? Yes, if you are looking for a meal prep company or a way to make things more efficient for yourself, you should order Zilla Meals. Zilla Meals does provide uh, bulk quantities of stuff like potatoes, rice, chicken, meats, uh, vegetables, but also a lot of ones that you can order for your kids as well, like pancakes or mm -hmm. even if you like pancakes yourself, you can order pretty much a variety of meals based on your what kind of results you want to receive from Zilla meals. And you can use either code beds and 10 or what is your code, Chris legs, just legs, just legs. And you can also get free shipping. If you use beds and ship or leg ship, which in turn can save you more money. Uh, but there's no reason these days to not be prepared. And with Zilla meals, it gives you opportunity to order your food and just have it set and you don't have to cook. So if you tell me you can't cook, then you are lying because Zilla meals yeah. got your back. I will say, I, I will attest to that. So I, I will implore anybody to go to ZillaMeals.com and just look at all the options that they have because truthfully, Jordan and them, his whole team have set up a meal prep company that can only allow you to be successful, right? In recent times, he's actually lowered the price of his meals, which is pretty cool. You don't see a lot of business owners doing that, but you have full reign to, like Tyler said, you can just buy stuff by the pound or you can even customize your meals. So you can take what your meal plan is and let them yeah. know and they'll make those meals for you every week. So you can go check them out. 
they have great protein pancakes. I've eaten quite a few in my day. Um, and yeah, they will make your life a lot easier as somebody who uses their stuff every single week. So anything else, Tyler? Um, make sure to brush your teeth morning and night. Morning and night, yes. And if you have anything sugary, make sure to also brush your teeth. So on that note, we thank everybody who's taken time out of their day to listen to the modcast. We love the cardio crew. Uh, be sure to check out our new Instagram page at The Real Modcast. Check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review as somebody on Apple Podcasts has revoked their five to a one-star yet again. Uh, we appreciate you. So, <laughs> but if you can do that, share us, reach out to either Tyler or myself or through the Instagram page with any questions, comments, concerns, anything that you'd like for us to talk about. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And until next time, thank you for listening to the modcast. Bullfrog. I didn't know if you're going to, damn it, dude.